we go into the word, let's just bow our heads the way that we are and just thank God for his presence with us. Lord God, we want to thank you for your presence that is here with us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we, we are here today because of Jesus. We're here to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We're here to celebrate your love for us. The amazing love that you had for us, that you sent Jesus to die. Jesus to come to this earth. Thank you, Father, for that amazing um, love, that surprise, that plan that you had, the plan for salvation. Lord, we thank you that we can be reconciled with him. And we thank you for the, for the relationship that we can have with you, Father, through Jesus. Lord, I just pray that as we open the word, and I just pray that you may open our minds to be able to accept that which you have for us, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Now, all children are very special, aren't they? They were very special here, but they're no more special than to the parents. You know, you've you got to love it when you talk to another parent, and it happens a lot more, let me assure you, when the kids are small and young and cute, you talk a lot more about them, which is great. As they grow, you talk a little bit less about them, and when they're older, I suppose, you talk a bit less, but you enjoy the moment and and uh, and je they're just gorgeous. But I remember sharing with people and there's some people that you can barely say a few words and then they jump in and start talking about their kids. Don't you love those parents? You know, it's, it's, it's excellent. And it's, it's okay. It's good to love your kids and to be so proud of things they say. I'm sure Norby and Amy are going to be talking about, you know, their Lockie's presentation in front of church for at least for the next few months. And... And it's a highlight. It's a highlight. But you know what? It's not going to last forever. But think of a, how special our children are for those of us that have the responsibility to look after children. Um, but think of Joseph and Mary for a moment. And think of the times and the highlights in their lives that they would have about Jesus. What were some of their highlights? What, what, what do you think would be... I, I just want us to pause for a minute, but... I'd like to just read verse um, 40 in Luke chapter 2. And he says, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was with him. He was filled with wisdom. A child that's filled with wisdom. That's amazing, isn't it? It's an amazing statement. And God was with him. And the, and, and the grace of God was upon him, the Spirit of God. And, and I was thinking as I was preparing it, when did the child, did, did, did they have to teach him and, and send him to um, classes? I don't think so. But did they have to teach him scripture? Did they have to recite scripture with him? I don't think so. You know, he was gone in the flesh that knew all the scripture. He knew it off by heart. And I think of the things that would stand in Mary's and, and Joseph's mind as a highlight of the upbringing of Jesus as they're getting older. And what would be some of the highlights that, they, that would stand out? And I think that the first one would have been definitely the, a big highlight for, for Mary's when the angel Gabriel appeared. And I have those verses and I'd like to read them together this morning. There's a bit of reading. So I, I, I think that we came to church one hour early so that I can talk a long time, yeah? So that's, yeah, okay. Well, if, um, it's, uh, if you're having lunch, lunch is at 12, so 
I, I won't be really long. I won't be. But I think it's a very important message that I'd like to share with you all today. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greetings this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. The angel already knew what was going through her mind. Don't be afraid. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The, God, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, Imagine, isn't that a, an amazing part, an amazing scene in her life? That she had an angel that appeared to her and spoke to her directly. And then we know what happened to Joseph. And Joseph had a dream and in the dream an angel appeared to him because he was worried he wanted to divorce his wife. That was to be married. They weren't even married as yet, but he, he wanted to separate and wanted to... to but... The spirit, the, the angel appeared to him also and said, Don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. So they had an angelic encounter, both of them, didn't they? And I think as they would, probably as they would share a little bit to each other, they're both told what to name this Jesus. And so it would have been special and as they're putting their thoughts together. And, and then the other memories that would come upon her is, is on, on their journey as they're going towards Bethlehem and they come to, that, to, the, to the Bethlehem Inn. You know, they come to the motel to, to find a place where she could give birth. And then they can't, there's no room there. So these are some of the highlights that she would have remembered. And then they go to a place and, and I could just imagine the angel appeared to her and it would have been ripping her apart thinking, there is, this is not right. This is supposed to be the king of kings. This is supposed to be, here is what the angel told her. You know, this is going to be called the son of the most high and you can't even find a place for them to give birth. So then they go to the stable. We know the story. And that would be another highlight for her, just how something to treasure. In Luke chapter 2, verse 19, it says, But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Thought about them often. It's not that... Occasionally would she think about it. She thought about it often, he says. What does that mean? Does that mean that as he was growing, as he's sharing, you know, as he's on his ministry after he already, as he's a man, did she still think of those things? I don't know. 
Now we pass a fair bit of time and we come to, a, to, to Jesus as, as, as a boy and we know that they went to Egypt and, um, and, uh, and we, we know the story of the wise men that came and they fell down and they worshipped. But here is um, Simeon, he, he, he tells us that Simeon was a man that was waiting for, for before he died that God gave him a promise and the promise was that he was going to see the king of kings. So you only have verse 29, I have verse 28. He says, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God. He took the child in his arms and praised God. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations. And he's the glory of your people Israel. What a revelation, eh? Here is this man that he's not mentioned anywhere else. He just appears and he holds Jesus as he comes to the temple. And he holds him in his hand and he says, I have seen your salvation. It's, you know, it's, it's definitely a prophecy. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. So I don't know which part they didn't understand or what the angel said to them. But they were just overwhelmed. You know, you're overwhelmed with your children as they grow and people praise them and give a little glimpse of praise about your children and how wonderful they are. But imagine, how could they handle this one after another? And I mentioned about the three wise men or the men for the kings, the men from the east. He says that they fell down and they worshipped him. And then they gave him the gifts. And as the kids said, the gift of gold and some other things, yeah? <laughs> that was cute, wasn't it? They were difficult words. Now, I think that we memorize and we, we remember about our children and we remember how um, their birth. And, but Mary here, she would remember all those things. And here is the child is going and they're, they're, they're about to go to the temple and, and to present him. As a 12-year-old, it's believed that he was. And, um, and they, all along, they were told that they are to protect this child. And this child was very special. So they protect him with King Herod when King Herod came to kill all the children that were born in Bethlehem under the age of two. Then, um, then an angel appeared to Joseph and he's told to go to Egypt. Remember they ran away from Egypt, God's people? And how horrible Egypt was and how they had to run away from Egypt to go to the promised land. And here God says, go back to Egypt. Go with Jesus to Egypt. They didn't hesitate. Obviously, it was a different place. Obviously, there was peace with the two nations. But it was okay to go to Egypt. And what I'm going to be talking about is... The part that I'd like to highlight today is how they lost the presence of Jesus and how we can lose the presence of Jesus. So here is the parents and they looked after Jesus and they go to, 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 to dedicate him, to bring him to the temple in Jerusalem. And it is a pretty busy place. It is quite busy. And I'd like to read from verses 40 to verse 46. He says, there the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. This is a living translation. 
Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was amongst the other travellers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting amongst the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. So here it is, they are separated from Jesus' presence. And they travelled, and they travelled for one day before they recognised, before they realised that it was gone. And you know, we can criticise and we can say, terrible parents, hey, for one day, 12-year-old, for one day that they didn't realise that he was gone until the evening. And I think that this version gives it a bit of justification that they just thought that he's with the relatives and he's walking with them and having a bit of fun with all the other kids. And then they probably started to panic. And here is they, can you imagine the things going through their minds? That they thought that they were told to protect him from King Herod and then from his evil son and they had to go, instead of going to Jerusalem, they had to go to Nazareth and live there because King Herod's son was probably even worse than what King Herod was himself. <clears throat> I was sharing with someone just yesterday and I thought, <clears throat> isn't it interesting that King, that God chose to come and there was a lot of fantastic kings in Israel and Judah and yet God chose to send his son to come during the rule of an evil king like King Herod and then his son as well. And I don't think that Jesus had an easy path, did he? And that's, you know, the, you could have a lesson in every story in the Bible because God has a purpose and a reason for it. And, and in times there will be, there would have been times where people were comforted by that. But could you imagine that they were to protect this boy from these evil kings and from satanic pressures and from Satan himself that wanted to, 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 just, to just destroy all the works of Jesus. And here they take their eyes for a split second and all of a sudden he's gone. I mentioned to you some time ago about when we lost Melanie in New York City in a shopping centre for about two minutes. And it seemed like, you know, days and we just started panicking and running around and we found her like probably, probably was a matter of minutes. And I wonder what would have gone through their mind, you know, it's, did, did, did King Herod's son, did he finally get him? Did somebody get him? What, as they're walking back, imagine they were one day already in their journey. It would have taken another day to get back. All the thoughts that go through your mind through that, through that time. Some say it was 12 hours, some say it was 24 hours. It doesn't really matter. But the point is how easy it is to lose his presence. It was easy for his parents to lose his presence. Is it easy for you and me to lose his presence? How easy is it for us to lose his presence? 
In John 1 verse 12, he says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, there's a difference between a relationship and fellowship with Christ. And some people, there's a lot of people that believe that once saved, you're forever saved. Um, I believe that. I believe that if you're saved, if you're born again, if you're a child of God, you cannot become all of a sudden no child again. So once you're a child, now it might be that you weren't born again. There are people that weren't born again when they claim to have been born again because they just did it because someone else did it and they'll get baptized and they... But if you are a truly born again person, and we'll have another couple of verses later on to, 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 to support this as well, means that if you're born again, if you've been born of God, you are a child of God. You can lose fellowship with God, but you can't lose that relationship. If you, are, if you have a child and that is your child, you might have a bad relationship with that child, but it is still your child. You might have a great relationship with them, but your fellowship might be broken. And the fellowship with their parents is broken here. Not their relationship. So they're still their parents. They're still Mary. is still the mom. And Joseph is still the guardian dad. But they've lost him. They have no fellowship with him. The, I remember some years ago that we were going through and we were talking about our um, statement of faith and we all had to preach on the words and so, so we spoke about, um, about fellowship and we spoke about... Um, so, so each, each preacher had, had those topics and we all spoke on the same topic and I remember speaking on fellowship and I remember looking up the word in Greek and it, I'll pronounce it wrong but um, it's koinonia. Who knows it? There is an I in there. Koinonia. Koinonia. Well, yours sounds better than mine anyway. And it means sharing things in common. It means sharing things in common. So if you have fellowship with someone, it, it means sharing things in common. So we are having fellowship here because we share things in common. When you have fellowship with Christ, you're sharing something in common with Christ. When that is broken, it, you no longer can share that. And what can break that? And we know what breaks it. It's sin. And once it, sin enters into our lives, and it happens to us daily. It happens to me. It happens often. That fellowship is broken. And, you know, and there is, a, you know, the old traditional church and where we come from, they'd like to say, oh, no, you know, Christians never sin. Well, then how do you handle that fellowship that is broken? That fellowship is broken because you can't longer walk with Jesus and talk to him like if nothing happened. So all of a sudden there's something there that keeps you, that separates you from Christ. And it is that sin that you have in your life. And we'll talk a little bit more about it. But in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Can two walk together unless they agree? So as you walk together with Christ, you have to agree on everything. So you agree with Christ. And you have that relationship and you communicate with him. And it's an open relationship and it's a beautiful relationship because he can relate to you and talk to you and speak to you. 
1 John 1, 5 and part B says, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. There is no darkness at all. So we cannot enjoy fellowship with God if we are sinning. If there is sin in your life, you cannot enjoy that fellowship with him. It is impossible. You can't cover up your sin and enjoy fellowship with him. You might be saved. You might have that relationship as a son or a daughter of God. But that fellowship has been lost. Now, there are sins that are actively committed, and the, the word for that is commission. Or there's a mission sin, which is a sin that, and, and I, I got James chapter 4, verse 17, there he says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If you know of some good that you ought to do and you don't do it, it is sin. That's why some people say, the better I know, the better, the, the better isn't it? That's an eye-opener, isn't it? It's something to think. You don't need to break the Ten Commandments to cut off that fellowship, to break that fellowship with God. So Mary and Joseph, they guarded the presence of Christ as a child. And they try not to neglect it. And I'm sure that he guarded them also from sin when he, his presence was with him. But then for just one moment, they neglected it. Think of it, they neglected that fellowship that they had and they lost it. It was gone. And they've lost that fellowship and they lost the actual presence of him there. His presence was no longer there. As a child, and I'm talking two different, I'm talking of Jesus' physical and with us, his spiritual presence. But it's one of the same. You might say that I'm a bit harsh here. And it was only for a moment. But there's a lesson here for us to learn. You know, if it happens to us, it happens to me. That fellowship to be broken with God that we're separated. And we'll talk about how can we fix that fellowship with God what can we do about it and I guess that you can ask yourself the question have you had are you in fellowship with Christ have you lost that joy that once you had is the song gone can you no longer sing the song is the power depleted to fight sin and to fight Satan that comes through Christ You don't get any guidance from God anymore. You feel that you lost his presence and the power of Christ in your life. If you're there, it's a very, very dangerous position to be in. And probably the decisions that we make when we're out of fellowship with Christ are very dangerous because they will be bad choices that we make. Or it might be that you're in denial, that you're denying that you have any sin in your life and that is a dangerous place to be too. So it is very easy to be separated from, from the presence of Christ. Secondly, second thing to note, that it can happen in the most unexpected 
can happen to the most unexpected people. You know, we, we know of the story of the Apostle Paul, how he talks. We know what happened to Adam in the garden. The Bible says that he was made in the image of God. And his presence was with him in day. He walked with God and God would come in the garden. They had this great relationship. And then sin entered and that fellowship was broken. He could no longer walk with God. God put separate, was, there was a separation between him and Adam. There was no more fellowship together. Till that point, there was an amazing relationship and a great fellowship that they had. So what can we do about it? You know that God, God has a, an amazing heart of forgiveness. He loves to forgive. But he loves it when we come to him and ask for forgiveness. In 1 John chapter 1, and here is John that was with Jesus, and he, he, he had a great relationship with Jesus and had a lot of fellowship with Jesus. And so he writes here in his, uh, in his advanced years, and he says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. If we claim to have fellowship... So we can claim and we can try to pretend and we try to fool others and, you know, and I'm, I've got a great fellow relationship with Christ and I'm going really good and everything's going good, but yet I can't speak to Christ on that one-on-one base because I know the sin in my life. And he says, and we lie, we do not live out the truth, but if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. His son purifies us from all sin. If you claim we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You see that it's talking to Christians? It's talking to us. It's speaking to us. And here is the secret. It's not a secret because it's in the Bible. We all know this one. <laughs> I'm sure you know this verse, 1 John 1, 9. He says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins... Confess them to him first. You don't have to come to me or come to, to your youth pastor or come to Eddie or to Oscar or to, or to your closest friend. That may mean to confess your sins. You can just confess it to God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's another verse that it says, if we confess our sins one to another. Now that is important when, when, when you can't defeat the sin that's in your life. If the sin in your life and you forever try and you can't defeat it, you need a witness. You need someone to be a witness with you to so acknowledge that and to defeat that sin, to defeat the devil. A lot of times every, <coughs> when I used to come up with a new year resolution and I talk about it and in a sermon I had someone come up to me and said oh I don't like new year resolutions you know it's a, we seem to do it too often don't we new year resolutions how about confessing your sins to God daily how about going to God daily at the end of the day and saying God I'm ter- I'm really sorry for the sins that I've committed for the ones I know and for the ones that I don't know and have that fellowship with him as you go into bed or in the mornings, if you like to do it, before your day begins. 
daily confess your sins to God. Try that. You know, it doesn't have to be a New Year resolution that's repetitive. This can be daily. It can be all the time. So it could be that there is sin in your life, but it could be also that God is chastising you as a parent, and a lot of that is just for, for growth. God wants you to grow up. Sometimes God wants you to grow up, and, he, and you feel hard done by it. But all it is is that he wants you to be a better person. He wants you to grow and to be there. Now imagine, imagine Mary and Joseph, they go to look for Jesus. And he says that they, so they were robbed of his presence for three days. Three days they didn't have him. Three days later they find him. Where, where were they looking? I mean, they went to look for him first. So you could imagine that they lost him a day there, a day back. But then they had a whole day. So a whole day they haven't found Jesus. Where was he? So did they go to look in the prison? Did they go to see if King Herod got him? Where did they go? The Bible doesn't say that. But you know, in this time, we like things instant. Yeah, we talk a lot about that. But... You'd get on the phone, you'd get on... You know that if you lose a pet now, you can go on, on the internet and you can find where that pet is? I remember we, it happened to us and with our dog and they Google it and you've got the microchip and they tell you exactly where he is, how long he's been there, who found him, everything. Everything's on the computers now. We like instantly, we like to do things, we like to get answers right away. Where did they lose him? They lost him, could we say a party? It was a festive season, it was a Passover, there was a lot of noise there. So maybe they lost him in a party. And that's maybe why they didn't even notice that he was gone because there's just so many things that were happening. They lost his presence in the most unlike place, though. It was the holy city, it was Jerusalem, it was a Passover, it was a celebration. It was to celebrate what God had made for them, a celebration called the Passover, where they would come and get cleansed. And finally, it is easy to lose his presence and often... Most unexpected people lose his presence and it can happen in the most unlikely places. But thank God and praise God that it can be recovered. His presence can be recovered. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, you can say about him that his parents took a while to find him. And they fell asleep and they took their guard off and they lost fellowship with him. But what can we say? What can I say? I can say just hang in there. Look for him. Find that fellowship again. Do you need someone to help you? Do you need to, to, to confess your sins just to him or to, to one another? Don't go without him. Don't go without the fellowship. He wants to have fellowship with us. 
and he came so that, we, so that he may live inside us and have that fellowship with us. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to have this fellowship with us. Thank you for the relationship that we can have with you. Thank you that you want to walk beside us. Thank you that you came. Thank you that we need to go to Calvary rather than to the manger to find forgiveness. Thank you that we can celebrate today not only your birth, but only your, also your death. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you want to reconcile us. Thank you that your presence with Mary and Joseph was reunited again. And Father, I pray for us, for each individual here, Lord. I pray that if there's sin in our lives, Lord, I pray that you may forgive us. Even for those things that we don't know of, Lord, we pray that you may make it a, more, a bit more clear to us that we may know what your will is for us and your plan is for us and how you want us to live our lives, Lord. I pray that we may be able to enjoy fellowship with you, that we may be able to enjoy fellowship with Jesus. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for paying that ultimate price that we may be able to have fellowship with you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for, for your beauty that we see in this day that we could celebrate with so many other believers around the world the beautiful name of Jesus. Thank you that we can sing and that we can worship, Lord, just like the wise men came and they bowed down and they worshipped you. We want to worship you, Jesus, as a child, as a baby, as a saviour to us. Thank you so much. We love you, Jesus. Amen.